Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The show is about to begin. Welcome to the podcast, Conscience That Made Us. Interviews and stories, tales from the bus. We love taking you back to when it all went down. The greatest live shows and that cheering crowd sound. It's concerts, concerts that made us, concerts that made us.com. Hey guys, welcome to July's Highlights. If you missed any of the episodes in July, then this one is just for you. So, Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Sua presença é vida, se é hoje mais liberdade Abre os caminhos, visando um novo amanhecer Por 
energia, até que faz acontecer, que contagia, alegria faz além, completa a base e canta todo dia pra viver, 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 viver. Todo dia, todo dia, dia, dia. Asphyxia Social, you're very welcome to Concerts That Made Us. Cool, man. Thanks for having us. It's a pleasure to be here with you. It's great to have you. Cool, man. Yeah, great name. Concerts That Made Us. <laughs> thanks, thanks. I'm glad you like it. Glad you like it. So, very exciting times for you. You're just about to kick off your European tour. Ah, sure. It's tonight. So, soon we get there. Sound check and then... We start playing. It's the first of uh, 20 shows. Uh, we're very happy to be in UK again. And then we go to, from here, we go to France, uh, Netherlands, Germany, and then Scotland and back to UK. It's a, a, a pretty comprehensive tour. Lots of dates, especially for a band from Brazil. You're, you're taking on quite a lot coming over and playing 20 dates. How, uh, how are you feeling about it? looking forward to it do you feel ready for it yeah, it's our second time here uh we, we've been here in 2019 uh that back then we we had 15 concerts and then but just uh two festivals right so now we uh with the context that we made the first time here some people liked us and then they invited us to other festivals a few other ones and we got a little bit uh more prepared this time we just released uh, a few things in english and we want to uh, spread our music around here too. It's it's a it's a nice way to we know that Europe and UK like uh, you you're, uh, you love music right and your summer is just like a a thing that doesn't happen anywhere anywhere else in the world. So the summer here is very special, and we we feel it. Uh, we we love it. And the last time that we were here was amazing, and this time is probably gonna be even more. Ah, brilliant, brilliant. The uh, the tour is called Planet is Alive. Can you tell us about the concept behind the tour? Yeah, the idea is that like uh, the human beings destroying the world, right? We're, we're, we're fucking it up, let's say. And uh, unfortunately, people don't, uh, nowadays people live by themselves, like they don't get too collective, right? And uh, the idea is to call attention that uh, we're destroying our home, right? It's something very stupid, actually, but we're doing it. And uh, we got to a point which is the limit, right? So the planet is alive and it's going to react to all, all our actions, right? Uh, we're not going to get out of this. <laughs> we're, we're inside the home that we're destroying, right? So we're not going to get out of this uh, alive if uh, we, we keep doing what we're doing. So we're on the limit. Uh, or we change our actions 
or are we going to destroy ourselves at the end? So the planet is alive. It's a call to that, right? We have the, the power, of course, to, to make the change, the small changes and the big changes. So it's up to us to, to call on that all the time. The band is working on that, uh, on the idea that uh, if we make this place a better place, it's, it's good for all of us. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Hopefully people actually start to stand up and take notice and start to make a change, you know, to make it better for us so that we can actually last longer. Yeah, it's, it's a bit smarter than yeah. what we're doing right now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, you, you mentioned that you've recorded a couple of tracks in English. It's your first time doing that. How did, uh, first of all, how did the idea come about? It was obviously to spread your music to a wider audience, was it? Well, the band uh, started like uh, when we used to sing in Portuguese, but we always mix other languages too. Like we always mix, uh, always mix a bit of Spanish, a bit of English inside of it. The band is a mix, right? It's a rock band, but we play like uh, different instruments, like inside this normal formation, like trumpet, trombone. We have like this Brazilian groove. We play rock, hip hop, ska, and we try to put like all the Brazilian roots and uh, the, the the worldwide music inside what we do, like with no much limits to the music, right? So uh, we believe in this mix, like we, we're all mixed, right? Uh, you're, you probably have like uh, your your family origins throughout the world. So, yeah. so, so do we, right? Like, so we believe that music's the same thing. Uh, we're not limited to do one genre of music, and uh, on the on the on the language that we speak, uh, we, we we always try to mix. And now that we came here to to Europe, like in 2019, we really felt like uh, that the music touched people, and we needed to 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 get better understood. So that's why we try to to get some more lyrics in English and so on. We're working on that, but we still sing in Portuguese. We still sing in Spanish, and if we can sing in other languages, still we have no limits to that. As I said, like we have different roots here, like a, a, a very um, diverse mix of uh, immigrations uh, that came to Brazil, like uh, uh, from from our like uh, let's say ancestors, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, the band is a mix of all that, so, so we try to translate it into music.
you're very welcome to concerts that made us. Thanks so much for having me. Cool show. Heard a lot about it. Thanks. Thanks. So we opened the show with your latest release, Take It Easy. Would you like to tell us a bit about it? Yeah. Uh, so uh, Take It Easy is uh, our newest release. It came out on uh, June 20th. Um, we, uh, we shot it. We shot the video for it um, about an hour north of where we live in upstate New York in the mountains of Whitehall, New York. And uh, uh, the song is, uh, is about, it's, it's got a lot of, you know, a lot of layers to it. Uh, you know, when I originally wrote the song, it was about my failed marriage uh, of seven years but then um, the meaning of the song uh, kind of changed a lot uh, the more that we played it and the more things that happened to our band, you know, throughout the past year kind of became one of those songs that just to all of us meant just in general, just saying goodbye to, to a lot of things in our lives, saying goodbye to, you know, <clears throat> uh, loved ones, saying goodbye to lovers, friends, ex-bandmates, all that stuff. So but yeah, um, it's currently out there streaming right now. It's on Spotify and Apple Music and pretty much all the, the streaming platforms that people are using these days. And um, yeah, it's, it's the first release that we've put out in uh, over a year. So we, when we launched it, it was about uh, almost a year to the date of our last single. So. Jeez. And uh, how has the reception been? Are people really soaking it up? Yeah, it's been uh, it's been doing better for us than uh, than anything that we have released prior. Now we've been a band since 2014, and uh, we've got five uh, you know five records out there. And uh, you know we we've gotten you know throughout the years we've gotten a couple of uh, pretty lucrative deals with sync licensing and things like that. But um, you know nothing's taken off for us as quickly as Take It Easy has. Uh, you know within just a couple of days of it being out there, the response was unbelievable. And you know now we're you know, uh, the song is uh, making its way to major rock radio. That's a first for us. Um, yeah. So it's almost one, like one of those things where, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's becoming a success that was unexpected. You know, a lot of bands have stories like that where, you know, they, they put something out without having high hopes for it. And uh, for us, it's uh, just a pleasant surprise. So we're just riding the wave. I tend to notice things like that in life, though. If you think it's going to do brilliantly it won't and it's always the thing that you're like okay it'll, it'll do okay that's the one that'll take off and people will absolutely love always yeah that's that's always the the big thing in in, in rock music history right yeah yeah uh, exactly you always, you always have those bands that talk about how like oh this song you know wasn't going to make the album cut I'm glad we put it on <laughs> because that song ended up selling 80 million records you yeah. know what i mean <laughs> So yeah, no, I mean we're we're happy we're very happy about it. It's uh, it's nice to see um, you know um, us kind of living out there in the digital world and, and people noticing. You know, I mean we've we've been putting out records for a long time, and uh, you know uh, we we play a lot. So uh, this has been one of those songs where you know, even before we uh, recorded it, we had been playing it live for a couple of months, and it was uh, it became like the showstopper for us. It was. It was the song that, uh, you know, when we're playing in cities and clubs where nobody's ever heard of our band, um, you know, if, if, if we are reduced to background music at some point as like an opening band, um, it's that song that has uh, always made the room stop and listen and, and find out more about us. I actually got so many messages in my inbox recently of people um, saying like, hey, like, you know, when I heard you played this song last year, I really loved it and I, and I tried finding it, but I couldn't. So I, I, I had assumed it was brand new. 
Um, so yeah, that's the, the, the feedback that we've been getting on this. So it's, 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 it's nice. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say so. I'm not a bit surprised though. It's a, it's a great song. It's kind of, it's up there with some of the greatest ballads from the eighties, I think, but there's kind of a, I don't know how you did it. It's like an eighties ballad, but with a modern sort of feel to it, if you get me. Yeah. It's kind of, um, you know, uh, kind of got that new wave glam rock, uh, feel to it. You know, we've been really into, uh, introducing eighties elements into our music for the past three years now. Um, we never dove into it as hard as we're diving in uh, to it now with, uh, the new material that we've been recording. But, um, this one definitely takes the cake for having hitting all the markers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. So I'd love to give the listeners a, a sense of your history. Would there be a seminal moment in your life you could point to that made you want to be a musician? Yeah. Uh, so when I was, um, when I was a kid, um, I was an army brat. My, uh, my father, uh, was an American soldier, uh, stationed in Germany. It's where he met my mom. You know, I'm the youngest of six kids. Uh, we were always moving around a lot. And, um, my brother, Mike, uh, he, uh, when he came of age, you know, he was, he was about to move out of the house and he gave me his tape collection and, they were all mixtapes for the most part, except for one, you know, it was, it was a stone temple pilots mixtape that he had given me. And uh, I was only about 11 years old, maybe. And that's all I did was I listened to these tapes over and over and over. And I discovered so much cool music. I mean, like Alice in Chains and Soundgarden and garbage, Elastica, you know, red hot chili peppers. I just really became so enamored by this. And I, uh, you know, it, it took up, uh, all of my time, you know, it, it influenced everything that I did. You know, I, I couldn't wait to, uh, you know, when we finally moved to the States um, and I went to high school and all that stuff, I, I just couldn't wait to finish school and not go to college because I wanted to pursue being a musician. Yeah. You know, all of my friends went on to have pretty successful careers in whatever fields that they chose to study in. But I was the guy that, uh, you know, as soon as I got out of high school, I went on tour. <laughs> so um, I learned... Yeah. When I was 16, you know, I learned how to play, uh, you know, the bass guitar and I, uh, I dabbled in, in guitar and, and, uh, keys and things like that. And, um, uh, you know, and ever since I started playing my first couple of notes, I, I started writing music, you know, I, I never really got into the, uh, the world of learning covers and doing bar gigs until, you know, until I was in my, you know, thirties is when I started playing some covers and bars and things like that. But, you know, I never cared for it. As soon as I learned four notes on a guitar, I started writing my own songs.
Todd McCarthy, it's absolutely fantastic to have you here at Concerts That Made Us. Hey, Brian. Nice to meet you, man. I've been looking forward to this. Pumped up. Let's do it. It's great to meet you, too. Great to meet you. Now, we might as well jump straight into it. You've been a drummer, a taxi driver, a tour manager, promoter, record label general manager, and you were a vice president at Sony Music. First of all, why ain't I sitting in front of some like 70-year-old dude who's retired now? You know, you're pretty young to have achieved so much. Yeah, no, it's it's funny. It's the 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 people that got in my taxi cab when I was like 22 or 23 said the same thing. They're like, aren't you a little young to be a taxi cab driver? And I was just fresh out of school. And um, I guess, I, I don't know, I started music early. Like I was already playing in punk rock bands and booking shows and a little bit of tours in high school. And I think, and even as young as 15. So I got into it very young and I was a record label general manager, probably at age 26 and, you know, doing some, you know, meetings with, with, you know, 70 year old guys and suits, you know, and I was 26 and they were looking at me like, what the hell am I sitting across the table from a, from a kid, you know, like, so, you know, but yeah. So I always, been, I guess I've always been young in the business. You've definitely had a, a wild life so far anyway, but we'll, we'll start at the very beginning. Is there a seminal point in your early life that you can point to and say, that's what made me want to work in the music business? Ooh, yeah. So I guess, yeah, at, at first it wasn't music business. I wanted to be a drummer. I was a musician first. So it was like parades, going to parades and hearing the drum lines and how powerful it was. It hit you in the chest. So I fell in love with music from that and just had musical family, like lots of big brothers and sisters. I'm a fan, a youngest of five. So lots of music in the house. Um, it was, I was, you know, raised in the eighties. I'm 46 years old. Um, but I think the business part happened when yeah, like there was this band in Washington, D.C., my hometown, Washington, D.C. Um, there's this band called Fugazi. And before that, they were called they were in a band called Minor Threat. And they had a record label called Discord Records, still have a record label. And they were in my hometown signing artists and putting out vinyl records and, and CDs and stuff in the 80s um, and doing it all themselves with no like major distribution or anything, just hand to hand at shows they'd get them in the record stores. And I was like, Oh, you don't need to be on Sony or Warner or universal or BMG to be like a rock star, you know, and they were packing rooms of 2000, 3000 people in big venues and selling hundreds of thousands of albums from their little, you know, warehouse records, you know, how it was actually a house in Washington, DC <laughs> where the label was. So that made me want to do what they did. So I think Discord Records was the first moment I was like, I want to do the music business. And I was probably 12, 13 at the time. <laughs> Jeez. So they were actually doing what most bands are doing nowadays, but back in the 80s. That's, That's right. crazy to That's think right. of. Yeah. yeah. They were, uh, if only other bands knew that that was the way it was going to go. Yeah. Yeah. And I pressed my first vinyl record my sophomore year of high school. So I don't know, I was probably 15, 16 years old. Um, and I was working at a print shop actually, and did we printed the jackets and um, just sent off for the vinyl records. But yeah, so 
I started young too. And that dream was right there. I didn't, I didn't wait for anybody to sort of come to me. It was like, well, these guys did the music business right out of their house and did it really big and, and well, hmm. probably have sold a few million records from their little label. And um, if they could do it, then, you know, us kids could do it too. So that's what we did. Yeah. And what, what steps did you take then to becoming a, a drummer forming your own band? Yeah, that was just um, probably like finding the dude in elementary school or middle school that looked like the, you know, the, the, the kid that might play guitar and <laughs> happened to be this kid, Richard Work. Never forget him. He, he had long hair. He was the only kid in elementary school with long hair. He was a skateboarder and uh, he played guitar. I asked, and he played guitar. So we started and we did, we we're doing like Metallica covers and just like ACDC covers, the easy stuff. And, you know, that was it. Like we just did those covers in my basement. And um, I think that was, we, we, we had a name. Uh, it was Anathema, which has now become a big metal band. Um, but we were the first in <laughs> 1982 or something. Um, but yeah. And then it was just putting together, together garage bands. That's what it was. And, um, but first booking shows in sophomore year of, of, high school was probably when I started booking shows and calling radio stations and writing, you know, writing, um, getting the newspapers and local magazines to do write-ups on our shows and concert previews and really learning the music business at a very young age. <laughs> and very DIY as well. It seems, you know, like most people would study in college for a couple of years to learn all that, but you as a, as a teenager just took to it like a fish in water you know you just yeah, start doing it, it yourself it was very diy and what's funny about that is from 15 to 22 i didn't learn much more <laughs> it was all like basic diy promotion book and we were booking concerts ourselves and all this stuff and we did it all ourselves and didn't really ever question how the majors or bigger labels did it we were just like well this works why do it differently um, but it wasn't until probably three years into my label career at fearless records when we had a platinum record go number one like a number one radio song in like 12 13 countries by plain white tees the song was hey there delilah and to that point our biggest hit was at the drive-in um awesome rock band on the label but that was that was like maybe 300,000 400,000 records i'm talking like number one in 14 countries with playing plain white tees or something so i had to learn the major label big boy record business when that happened. And I was still running on DIY fumes up until that. <laughs> that must've been a really scary time. You know, something great is happening, but also you're being launched onto another level that you haven't done before. Yes. Yes. No, I, I had to take a call from then the then CEO of Warner music to you know, deal with an issue with our song, a global issue that was really critical to it. And uh, yeah, and I was 26, 27 and very green yeah. talking to one of the most powerful guys in the business over something. So I'll never forget that. Jeez. And back in them days, was it always in your mind, you know, that you were going to become as powerful as him or you were going to go that far in the music industry? Did you have a clear, concise plan laid out for yourself? Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't have a clear, concise plan. Um, 
And I didn't make it as far as, as the CEO of Warner. Um, but, you know, I made it to the senior vice president label at Sony Music. Um, and uh, I was the GM of the record label Fearless Records that I worked the longest for for 13 years um, and calling the shots. And, 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 and that was that was to me the highest, the highest because, you know, I was running a record label and we had platinum selling artists on it and we were competing with the majors uh, in, in some terms. So um, that, that was good, but I didn't have a plan. It was, it was a little bit of luck, a lot of hard work and, and elbow grease and getting in the trenches and fighting for our artists. And that was it. It was always like, who, who are the, who are the artists on the label at the, at, that need our attention right at this moment? So we could kind of seize the moment, seize that momentum and that energy. And, and it was always just like head down, looking at that. There wasn't a lot of planning. Um, towards the end of my term at Fearless, um, we had sold the company to new owners and um, I gave that a shot, but I was looking to get to do something different. And that that was when I was like, Hmm, you know, I've been doing the DIY and independent record label thing for 15, 16 years now. I wonder what it's like to work at a major. I was always curious. So luckily I, I didn't seek them out. Actually, it just happened that somebody from Sony recruited me at the, at that time when I was thinking about that and I took the call and I'm glad I took the call and it was a good experience um, working for Sony and they offered me a you know, senior vice president role was awesome. And uh, I worked at for their rock group, which was uh, Century Media, which was the metal label, Inside Out, which was the prog progressive rock label. And I, I looked after their newer alternative label too, that did like Lovely the Band and um, the Unlikely Candidates and some really cool Iron Tom, some really cool rock alternative bands. Um, Lovely the Band's another one ended up, you know, multi, multi platinum probably 10, 15 countries, number one as well.
Jay Bones, you're very welcome to Concerts That Made Us. <laughs> Great to be here. It's brilliant. It's brilliant to have you. I'm delighted to have the legendary Fuzzy Gish on the podcast. <laughs> well, yeah, it's... Uh, it, it, yeah, I mean, I'm a legendary, um, I think... Uh, in South Africa, <laughs> and, and hopefully, and, and hopefully, spreading around, you know, yeah, exactly, exactly. That's uh, that never seems to stop being the goal of a band, no matter how well known they are. They always want to spread further, don't they? Yeah, yeah, and you and you're hoping, I mean, that people talk and and you know, the word of mouth gets out there, and and just and and slowly we find out that people that listen to us a lot you know, in South Africa, then moved on to other parts of the world and, and spread the spread the word or, or the music. That sounds, I have to say now, that sounds a little bit like, you know, you're uh, you're training some sort of private army. Here, listen to our music and disperse <laughs> around the world. <laughs> spread it. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. It's just like, you know, uh, the, as we'd call it, the, the, the skankers union or, you know, going out there and, and spreading the word. And I mean, word of mouth is the best, you know, I'm very kind of uh, suspicious of anything that's kind of, you know, uh, kind of advertised or, or marketed. So, yeah, that's that's the way we we just in the music, there's subliminal messages that go out to everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. So we opened the show with your song. This is what I know. It's off your your latest release. Would you like to tell us a bit about it? Sure, sure thing. Uh, so it's one of my favorite songs on the new album. Basically, I'm not sure. It's a, it's a little bit different for us, but I liked it just because of that. And it's it's got like a kind of a more of a, a hardcore feel in the beginning and, the, and it kind of goes off into this uh, very melodic, the, the melodic kind of build and bridge. I don't know, something about it that that I like the fact that um, because we we've known as a kind of more ska punk band. It's, it's, it's a bit different in that sense. And the way that the, the guitar and the, the, the trombone, Big Willie on the trombone kind of build uh, the tension, it's, uh, I really like that. And, you know, the more I think I know, the less I know, but this <laughs> <laughs> is the real truth. But I think it's really about lyrically, like um, kind of the balance of, you know, your yin and your yang or your, your, your light and, light and shade so to speak and how uh they kind of work together and a lot of the album i think is is about that kind of stuff about balance yeah yeah it's a it's a great track it's i'd have to agree it's one of my favorites off the track as well it really is a a good one it's your first album since i know you released a live album in 2020 but it's your first studio album since crazy friends in 2013 (laughs) Why yeah. was the why was the time right now? Why did you release it now? Uh, well, <laughs> I'm trying to think about that now. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I, we released a lot of albums uh, early, like there were 2000s, a whole bunch of albums through early 2000s, and then after Crazy Friends, we were intended to to carry on recording, but you know, you we had five albums, and and when we were playing shows like we you know it was the set list was was pretty full and and you know there was no urgency to basically record so it was it was always a case of yeah we're going to record you know like we, we'll do another album uh, next year you know and this kind of carried on for a while and then um uh, rockwell bass player uh he got 
chatting to uh, Warren, and they seemed to uh, kind of connect. And and suddenly there was this. Uh, Warren was, you know, he had this the label Mongrel, and they were chatting. And suddenly there was a hey, we can do an album with them. And there was that kind of oh, this is this is great. This is like a this is almost like a direction, you know, like yeah, oh, this is a reason. This is a good. This, and then uh, the whole COVID. Uh, uh, pandemic uh, came down on us and it was like this is perfect timing because now you know instead of playing live we can focus on, on recording <laughs> putting out an album so it was really great it was a, it was perfect timing from that point of view and and it was kind of like we needed to put out something yeah because it had been you know like 2013 so it was like okay this is time to do <laughs> to do to do it yeah I think we I mean to be honest, I mean, it was just ama- amazing putting out the first album. I remember it was like, wow, you know, this is like to think of putting out uh, the sixth album. Wow, we're going to do this. We're going to, you know, put out a sixth album. It's going to be great. This, let's do this. And 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 we've got a, a time to do it now. Yeah. And to see where we were exactly how, you know, what, what there was a bit of a unknown, like what, what are we going to come up with? hopefully it resembles something of you know but it did and it, and it does but it also feels like um we we kind of progressed a bit with it yeah yeah definitely definitely and what what was the the whole recording process i know you mentioned you had plenty of time so there was obviously no urgency or panic yeah. to uh to rush into it what was the the recording process like for it you know it, usually it would, it would have been a case of kind of at least for the first four albums you know i'd kind of come up with ideas and then kind of take it to the band and you like thrash them out in the band room and you you know kind of it's quite grueling and <laughs> like you have patience is required and you're all in there busy trying to at the same state you know like and that was kind of i guess more like the traditional kind of way of writing uh, the songs so uh with this now it was be we couldn't really you know we could uh, obviously zoom or or skype or whatever but we couldn't hang out in a band room together in, initially and and for me that was like luckily i had a, a set up a studio a home studio that i can work with that had uh, all the necessary tools to be able to put the demos together in my own space and time then send them off to everybody and and you know they would give me honest feedback because <laughs> luckily we've we've been together long enough so that we can do that <laughs> yeah yeah and uh yeah you know and um it was great for me because I, I i could just write go go for it you know and and not have those kind of in the band room busy like uh, can you do this can you try this and so it was like a very kind of i mean from that point of view it was great and i'd send out the stuff and then um wrote like about 20 tracks and 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 everybody kind of gave their opinions and stuff and said, no, this is this this track that you said, no, this is for your solo album. <laughs> but, uh, but generally it was, it was like, I think everybody else, I, I was like very nervous about doing it like this. I was like, I want everybody to feel like they're, they're don't want anybody to feel like, oh man, I, I wish I could, I want to put some stuff or ideas down and, I'm not getting heard, but but everybody was like, "Oh no, this is great! Like you go for it." <laughs> <laughs> so, so so I would put down like say like trombone on like a key on the keys, but obviously I can't play trombone and and I don't have, know all the, what you can exactly all the different techniques you can use. So, and I'd give that to Big Willie, our trombonist, and he would like come back with this kind of the main kind of theme, 
but he'd have added a whole bunch of other elements and idea, you know, just made it much richer. Yeah. So yeah. it was it was great to send out this stuff and then to get stuff back with everybody like putting their expertise into it. Yeah, um, actually. And, yeah. And yeah, it was really it was really cool. And and I would me and uh, Willie would would hang out a lot and go through that many sessions on Zoom, busy kind of going through this stuff and then saying, hey, this is what we're thinking. And then the other guys would come back and, and it worked out really well for us. I mean, I wouldn't, I don't know if it's every, every band would enjoy it, but it was, it was, um, it was a great way for us to write. So we got, when we got to the, the, the songs and the, then we had a guy, uh, Matthew Fink, he was, came in to, to record it to, from, um, and, produce, and he was like the producer. And he came in early as well and listened to the demos and got an idea of what we were, where we were heading, you know. So from that, it was really cool, like, uh, to have, because we'd normally go to a studio and they'd, like, you know, they'd be, like, uh, not really, I mean, they just want to record great songs, but they not, haven't been invested before, almost in pre-production. Mm. Uh, so, this, so this is... Uh, he was there uh, listening to the stuff and getting some ideas and, and uh, when everybody was happy and we thought we had the 12 songs that we wanted and we, then we, hit the, then we went to the studio. Yeah.
Hey, what's up, everyone? My name is DJ JC, and I'm one of the DJs over at Super Cool Radio. I host a one-hour metal show called The Brutal Block. We have new episodes every Tuesday dropping at noon. So if heavy metal music is something that you're into, then make your way over to The Brutal Block. Throw up the horns, and let's get rockin'. Hey, guys. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. I for one surely did. Now if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. Your 5 star review will be read out on the show. And don't forget, you can now rate us on Spotify. You can find and follow us on all social media at Concerts That Made Us Podcast. And don't forget to check out the website at www.concertsthatmadeus.com And if you'd like to support the show, you can do so by signing up at patreon.com forward slash concerts that made us so until next time keep rocking hey hey what are you guys still doing there the show is over it's over you can go home go on we'll see you next time we'll be here <laughs>